You are listening to the No Formula Podcast, episode number 39. Welcome back to where we chat with a different entrepreneur every week. From app developers, sales experts, and coaches, to authors and social media influencers, we focus on their journeys, how they built their businesses, and the lessons they learned along the way. Together, we confirm that there is no formula to success. I want to thank all the listeners that have been supporting the No Formula podcast. A special thank you to Brian JT, who gave the podcast five stars and left a review saying fantastic conversations, no fluff. This is a great podcast that actually provides real world advice. Thank you so much, Brian. For the chance of getting in the next episode, leave a review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to subscribe. In today's episode, we chat with Rahila James, blogger of bizmom.com and family empowerment guide. After going back to school to get a master's degree in business administration with three small kids, her husband and a household to run, chaos ensued. Her children started complaining. Chores were neglected, but worst of all, Rahila developed an ulcer. As a result, Rahila turned her life around. She did this by implementing business systems she learned in class into her household. That's also when she started bizmom.com. In this episode, Rahila reveals four types of clutter, business components in her household, and tips on how to declutter your life. Check out Rahila's blog, bizmom.com, spelled B-I-Z-M-O-M.com. In the meantime, keep listening to hear more tips on how to run your household like an efficient business. Hi, Rahila. Thank you so much for joining us today on the No Formula podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I love this because I never met anyone who focused on decluttering households. And and you actually, um, in your title, you're actually a family developer. It's called a family empowerment guide. Awesome. That's what it is. So okay. uh, yeah, so I guide and empower moms to mm-hmm. declutter and organize their lives and households. Okay, so right off the bat, how did you get into this? So basically, what had happened was that in 2013, I went back to school to get a master's in business administration. And I previously have a master's in physical therapy. When I went back to school, it was with three children under the age of 10 and my husband. So when I had my, got my first master's in physical therapy, it was without any kids, no husband, living at home with my mom and dad. And it was much calmer at that time. I can imagine. <laughs> yes, it was, it was just me taking care of myself mm-hmm. and then, you know, my mom and dad and he- helping them out. But for the most part, it was just, it was much calmer. And then when I went back for my second one in 2013, I had my three kids, I had my husband and um, I was running my household and um, things just really fell apart for me. Um, 
And not just for me, it fell apart for my children. They started to notice how disorganized our house became, how overwhelmed I was, and how stressed out I was because of all of the schoolwork that I had to do because of running my household, still trying to keep up with the children's activities. And they started to pick up on my emotions. And children are will normally pick up the emotions of their parents, mostly their moms. So the children picked up my emotions and our home just started to really fall apart. And uh, uh, go ahead. No, I didn't feel like all. <laughs> yeah. And it just, uh, it, so we started to notice uh, things falling apart. I was the first one who noticed it, but the kids started to complain and they started to tell me about how things were always so, so messy and how they never got anywhere on time. And it, they were little under 10, but they noticed it. And so mm-hmm. I started to really change things around for my family. And while I was in business school, I started to notice how businesses have to implement systems and techniques to be able to be successful. So that's when I decided to start implementing some business techniques into my family. And I adapted those techniques and those systems to our household. And things just changed for us dramatically. That's crazy. Okay, so before we get into the systems and how you implemented them, you also have a blog. Yes, yes. So after you did your second master's degree, when did, did you start the blog after that? Yes, I did. So I went back, uh, so when I went back in 23, graduated, sorry, 2013, I graduated in uh, 2015, went back to work for a little bit, and uh, then I um, started writing my blog. I, it, was, it was meant to be something for myself. It was meant to be something where I could um, just be creative. But then it just started to change and evolve into something that I wanted to use to help others. I wanted to be able to help others as well. And that's when I started uh, really focusing on writing and really talking about the things that we've implemented in our household and talking about the systems, the techniques that we use at home. And And that was in 2018. So I started my blog in 2018. Oh, okay. So it's very recent. It looks like it's like, there's a lot going on on it though. It's bizmom101.com. Right. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's uh, www.bizmom101.com. So it's B-I-Z-M-O-M. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And at what point while you were writing all these blogs, did you realize that you could help other people? Were people asking you questions? Were, was, was this so, something happened? So when I first started implementing the systems, I got really sick because of all the disorganization in our family. And I got sick and had an ulcer and had to have surgery. And it was just, you know, really messy. Everything got really messy. And that's when I decided to implement those systems and techniques. Mm -hmm. And I know that being a mom can be a very lonely job sometimes. You know, you don't get a manual to on how to be a mom. Mm-hmm. You don't get any uh, orientation as in a regular job. You have to learn on the go. 
And when that, you know, when I went through all of these things, that was when I decided there are other moms out there who need help. And there are other moms that I can help with my uh, overcome overwhelm and overcome stress and overcome chaos in their lives with implementing systems, techniques, and just helping them get through their everyday life. Mm-hmm. And that's when I decided that I want to sh- start sharing more of that on my blog. And um, there were women that I was meeting while I was blogging who needed help. And so then I started taking them on as one-to-one clients. And then it just evolved from there. Okay. So that so, was kind of like your push to becoming an entrepreneur? Yes. Yes, it, okay. it, it, it was. So it started off with just... Um, doing it for myself, the blog for myself, something Mm -hmm. that I could put out there to be creative and then talking more about the uh, things that we were doing in our home, people reaching out to me and then just evolved from there where Mm -hmm. I started taking on one-to-one clients and now I've just released a digital course. And so that's that's where all of this is going. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's so awesome. So out of pure curiosity, Let's say I was a mom came to you for help. Do you do you have like a one-on-one session with them? Do you go to their house? Like how how does this work? How does how do you so, help them? So basically what happens is that um I will meet with them first. Mm-hmm. The thing is that I want to know what exactly is going on, right? Their what is the main issue that they are dealing with? Mm-hmm. And for me, clutter comes in many different forms. And clutter in your life, when you're decluttering or organizing your life, it's just not just one thing. It can be different things. Uh, for example, it can be physical clutter or it can be financial clutter and it, or it could be mental clutter or health clutter. And these this is the first thing I want to find out when I work, uh, talk to a mom. What is it that you're actually going through? What is it that prompted you to come talk to me? And then from there, we'll go ahead and, uh, you know, set up a, a system for them, depending on what they're telling me. Then we'll set mm-hmm. up a system for them and go, go down that way. I will see moms either for three weeks or six weeks, or uh, depending on what they're going through, we may just have, a, 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 I may just set up an ad hoc system for uh, ad hoc service for them where I mm-hmm. will maybe go on for longer than six weeks. It really just depends on what they're coming in for, how they reach me. Okay. And you keep talking about these systems. Can you, can you mention like, what are, what are these systems? Okay. So one of the simplest things that you can implement into your family when you have children is a checklist. A checklist is basically something uh, that is hard to remember. It's for things that are hard to remember, but still they're easy enough that they should be remembered. But when you have little children, children may forget those things. Mm -hmm. So what we'll do is, for example, in my home, when we started using the checklist, it was for early morning routines. 
It was for something simple that the children should be able to do without me having to tell them and remind them to do it. So we had a check set up for each child, depending on their age. And it was simple things like get, uh, get dressed, brush your teeth, eat your breakfast, put on your contacts, grab your backpack, uh, grab your homework. It was simple things like that. But the thing that was the most powerful and the most empowering was that check. When each child was able to complete a task and put that check against that task, it gave them the, the feeling that they could accomplish anything. Mm-hmm. It set them free from having to remember the task. And it, um, it just empowered them to continue working through the things that they had to do. And I, instead of having to run after them and run after them to get, go ahead and get dressed, go ahead and put your uh, homework in your backpack, grab your backpack. I was able to just chill out, get some breakfast, drink a cup of tea, and they were able to just go and check it off. What? So your kids are just independent, just checking off their checklist? This this was, yes, this was before they turned 10 years old. So they were checking off their checklist. (laughs) My youngest was not quite able to read. So Hmm. we had to make a checklist that involved some pictures and stuff for her. But it was even for her, she was at the time three years old when I started implementing the checklist. But that power of the checklist, it just gave her this feeling of she could conquer the world. She would um, later on, um, when she was four or five, and she to write, she would start writing her own checklist. And she used simple words, but she would write her own checklist and uh, she would check it off. And now my oldest son is almost 16. And his obviously, because of the age that he is at, he doesn't require those simple reminders that get up and brush your teeth, make Mm -hmm. your body, obviously doesn't require those, but he has his own separate checklist that he still depends on. You know, if he has to be somewhere he will ask me before he goes if there's anything that he needs to do and sometimes if i have already talked to him about it then it's a mental checklist but sometimes he'll have a written checklist and he's 16 and he still uses those and he started that when he was i think maybe eight years old and so he still uses those and so that's one of the things that we implemented in our household and another thing that we do is huddles when you are in a business setting when you like the uh, for example a hospital or a restaurant or um you know when you are even in a in a corp in the corporate world every morning people will meet together and they will have a morning huddle or a morning meeting. That way everybody knows what's going on in the day or what's the priorities uh, for the week. So when the kids go to school in the morning, we have a morning huddle. The morning huddle in our case for our family is basically so that everybody is aware of what is going on in the day. Everybody knows that 
so-and-so has an appointment to go to today. So if I have to, after school, go to an appointment, it's because somebody has an appointment. And even though I don't have an appointment as part of the family, I'm going for that appointment because mom can't go home to drop me off. So they're prepared. Nobody is going to have this, uh, this feeling that, you know, you never told me about it. Why do I have to go? Because they had the morning huddle. They were told in the morning. And if they were listening, they should be aware. If they chose not to listen, <laughs> that's on them. But the rest of the family will hold them accountable that you were told. Mom told you about this. You knew we were going to do this, you know. And that's something that I help my clients implement too. This avoids um, confrontations. This avoids um, um, anxiety on part of the rest of the family that what's going on? Why is somebody not here? Why is somebody not doing this? Everybody is aware of what's going on. It, it creates accountability. It empowers everybody else to, you know, the whole family to be, to hold each other accountable. So this is something that I have the moms who I work with, I have them implement that as well. And uh, so, yeah, so that's some of the things that we go through. Oh my gosh. I, I think I need to interview your kids as well. Like <laughs> they already know how to be super productive with their checklists. They know how to be super transparent and probably yeah. host huddles every morning. <laughs> yeah, they can. They can. They just, so, you know, of course, depending on their age and mm -hmm. depending, um, on what's going on in their life. I mean, they may not necessarily feel like being part of it, but that's what being, uh, being a mom is. You bring everybody back to the center. You bring mm -hmm. everybody back to where they need to be. And uh, that's what the rest of the family is able to help out with as well. They hold each other accountable. Oh my God, that's so cute. Like, yeah, in 20 years, I'll be interviewing one of your kids because they'll have a multi-billion dollar company, <laughs> for sure. You know, some, they, uh, one of my kids has uh, some serious goals and he's already this, uh, this summer planning to complete some projects and stuff. So he's, yeah. You'll have to keep me posted. I'm, I'm very invested right now. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will. I will let you know. Okay, so shifting gears a little bit, we're talking about some systems, but then you also talked about decluttering. Yes. So can you give us an example on how you help maybe some of your clients declutter in the four ways that you mentioned before? Yes. So like I stated earlier, um, it's a unique system that I've created where I work on these on four main pillars of clutter. People, when they think of clutter, they usually automatically think of physical clutter. They think of a messy house. They think of things all over the place. However, clutter is really physical. It's mental, it's financial, and it's health clutter. When you are dealing with physical clutter, the reason why clutter starts, while things, why, 
why things start piling up is because there's something mental going on as well. You've got some emotional stuff going on. You've got some things that you're uh, weighed, weighed down by. You are uh, thinking of a lot of different things. Your mind's going all over the place. So you've got mental clutter and then things just start piling up physically. What that does, it is also creates financial clutter. You can't find anything in your physical clutter. In the chaos that you're living in, you cannot find anything. So you keep buying things. What does that do? It starts messing up your finances. It clutters up your finances. Your finances get disorganized because you don't know how much you're spending, if you're saving anything. So you start getting cluttered in your finances. When there's physical clutter, there's mental clutter and financial clutter. All of those things start affecting your health. And when that affects your health, it can be in the form of neck pain, or it can be in the form of, like in my case, it was um, stomach issues. I developed the ulcer. And it can be, uh, you know, you get sick easier. The dust from the clutter that you're living in, physical clutter that you're living in, will start to get you sick. My sons, two, both my sons, I have two sons and two daughters, and both my sons get uh, seasonal allergies. So we have to try to keep things as uh, dust-free as possible so that they don't get sick. And so that's where health clutter comes in as well. And I have a background in physical therapy, and that's a healing um, art and science. And because of that, I incorporate part of, part of my physical therapy into treating, um, or sorry, not treating, working. I'm, because I'm talking about physical therapy, I automatically go to the word treatment. <laughs> so, it makes but, sense. It makes sense. Yes, yes. So uh, I incorporate that into working with my, um, with moms as well. And I keep saying moms, but I don't only work with moms. I work with dads as well, but um, they've been far and few and, you know, in so not many dads, but I have yeah. helped dads as well. So, but, so that's what, what we do. We just incorporate all these different forms of clutter into helping moms just declutter and organize their lives and their households. Okay. So I just want to, um, I want to know some more examples about these, this decluttering. So is it possible if you have like a story with a client perhaps that you can tell us like a success story? Yes. Yes. Okay. I, one of, uh, this was a mom that I worked for with a very short time because of the way we had started working, but she had an area in her house that she was very embarrassed by. It was cluttered and she had not, it was a dust desk and it was uh, just surrounded by boxes and papers. And she had not seen that desk for 17 years because <gasps> it was so cluttered. 17? 17, one seven. Oh yes. 17 God. years. She had not seen this. She was in the later stages of being a mother. And uh, so she had uh, children who were beginning to move out of the house, but she had not seen her desk for 17 years. And she loved that desk, but had not seen it. Mm -hmm. And 
she came to, um, I was doing um, an offline class. So I was teaching an offline class and it's something that I do for our uh, local city for our, and uh, I help teach classes in our city as well. Mm-hmm. So the assignment that I gave them at the end of the class was that take pictures of before and after. And when she showed me the before pictures, I was just blown away with what this desk looked like. It mm-hmm. was just, uh, there was no place to step and it looked like um, if she put one more paper on it, the whole thing would collapse. That's what it looked oh like. Oh my God. And so she had been making these notes. She'd been listening and asking questions and furiously writing everything down. And then she had gone back to complete the assignment. And we met in two weeks, uh, two weeks afterwards. And um, she showed me her before pictures and she showed me her after pictures. And it was this beautiful oak desk with little tiny drawers in it. And it was, um, had these beautiful flowers engraved in. So she was, she was somebody who had taken everything that I had taught to heart and she used my system that I teach. And uh, she only saw me for those two times. And she told me that I had people over and that was for her the most amazing thing because she had not had people over because of that desk for so long. For this one client, I'm curious about your opinion about this. Why do you think it took her so long and it took your class for her to do it in two weeks for her to clean the desk? Um, I think the, the thing was that she knew that she had the clutter but what happens is that sometimes it gets so overwhelming just looking at those things and you just don't want to see them anymore. And when you don't want to look at them, you start to feel guilty about mm-hmm. it. You start to feel that, you know, this is the way I'm living. This is horrible, you know, and for her, it was like, can't have people over. So it's this emotional uh, feeling about um, embarrassment. There's the fear of judgment. And so people will, will become, keep looking at it, but keep feeling guilty. And when they keep feeling guilty about it, they start getting unproductive and start feeling getting more complacent the guiltier they feel the less work they will do and so then they just get unproductive and just don't want to do it anymore but then at some point they know they know this that they have to fix this issue that they have to fix this issue and then they will just come across something or you know this lady like this lady particularly she came across my class and she's like okay I'm just gonna go I'm gonna go see what it's like and it was uh, I think uh, the connection that we had and then the fact that I was very open about it that you didn't make this clutter in one day you can't clean it in one day and Mm -hmm. it was giving them the giving her the permission to take the time to actually do the work these are examples of physical clutter but what are some tips for people who might be listening who might have you know mental clutter or financial clutter so mental clutter when you have mental clutter there are things that may be weighing you down Mm -hmm. 
they, uh, there may be things, uh, for example, in this particular woman's case that I talk, I'm working with currently, it's her butter that's weighing her, her down. So in that case, we're teaching her ways to just get over um, how he is reacting to things and teaching her how to have a conversation with him. Mm-hmm. When there's financial clutter, we're, uh, there's a particular system that I use for that as well, where we will teach, um, teach clients how to really focus on small things making small changes, even with the mental clutter, you would make small changes. All of that, whatever you are going through did not happen to you in one day. So you have to make small, deliberate changes. Mm -hmm. And uh, something that I see with moms a lot is when it comes to mental clutter, it's time management and just prioritizing things. So we'll go through through prioritizing will teach them how to prioritize not everything has to be done today mm-hmm. everything is not that important that it needs to be done at this moment yeah it and and just giving giving them the permission to not have to do everything now mm-hmm. it can wait it may not be something that needs to be done at the moment it just changes things yeah yeah and probably their momentum and how they address the problem yes yes just it's also changing their mindset yes so it it, so it it is giving it is teaching them how to really slow down and look at things a little differently yeah yeah so and then i was also thinking because if you're helping the mom or the dad how do you make sure that the kids are on board with all these changes, right? Because you said huddles, you said checklists, but what if the kid is like, no, I don't want to do that. Before we start off with working with anybody, the one thing that I always tell them to do is conversation with the family. You have to communicate. You have to tell them very openly, tell the children very openly as well, that these are the things that I've noticed. These are the things that are happening and we would like to work together and fix it together. You get buy-in from the family. Mm -hmm. You get buy-in from the children. You get buy-in from your significant other, from your husband or your wife. You get buy-in from them. And unless you've had that open conversation, you could go ahead and keep doing whatever you want to. You could learn all the techniques that you want to. You could start implementing them in the household. But if the family is not going with you, all those things are going to just fall flat. So you have to have a very open dialogue, very open conversation with the rest of the family that and you can't have it in this way that this is what we're doing you're going to go along with it and that's it because i said yeah. so it has to be a conversation where everybody is involved and everybody is communicating and everybody knows that this is the problem that we are seeing in the family and this is what we can do to fix it what do you think mhm so I'm I'm thinking from your experience, do you think people can avoid clutter altogether? Is that a thing that's yes. possible? 
Yes. 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 When, <laughs> so if you have, uh, if you have clutter, you would, first of all, go ahead and ha- need to declutter it. Mm-hmm. But once you have decluttered it, you have to sustain it. You have to sustain that decluttered lifestyle. And that is something that if you are living by yourself, you can do easily. But if you have children involved, if you have a significant other involved, that's where a family conversation, a buy-in from everybody is very important because once you have decluttered, you have to sustain it. But when everybody is involved with the whole decluttering, then it's easier to sustain it. If you go in and start decluttering on your own, then it is not going to be, uh, it's not going to hold. So the whole family has to be involved in it. Everybody needs to sustain it. And once you have decluttered and you're sustaining, you are doing uh, monthly checks. You are doing um, quarterly checks of what's going on. Mm -hmm. If there are things slowly starting to pile up, then you are you do need to declutter it again, but you have to do the monthly checks or the uh, quarterly checks. Um, one of the when you're if you're already living a, a fairly clutter-free life, mm-hmm. then around uh, Christmas time and, and in summertime, that's like those times are really good for decluttering. Because, uh, you know, things are uh, during Christmas time, you're getting all your Christmas decorations or whatever holiday season decorations and everything. You're pulling so you out get... a ton of boxes. Yes, <laughs> yes. And that's the best time to start mm-hmm. decluttering. And then in the summer, that's like in the middle of the year, your home, your kids are home, everybody's home. So that's a really good time to just really do a, a decluttering project with the kids. And so it is possible to stay in that clean, decluttered, chaos-free area once you have finished the initial decluttering. Mm -hmm. You have to sustain it by doing inventory, by doing monthly or quarterly checks. Mm -hmm. So it's possible. It's possible. There's work behind it, everyone, but it's possible. (laughs) It is possible, yes. So for, for entrepreneurs who are juggling a lot, Maybe they have a lot of clients, a lot of projects. Do you have any tips for them to be able to manage it all? Yes. So one of the things that we, we many of us hear is to prioritize everything, get your mm-hmm. priorities straight. And as entrepreneurs, we think that we want to do everything. We have to do everything, you know, especially if you're, uh, you're a solopreneur. Yeah. And if you're doing it all by yourself, you don't have anybody, you have to, you feel like you have to do everything. You have to do those social media posts. If you're um, building on social media, you have to uh, get all of those uh, landing pages right and get everything, you know. Social media posts perfect. Yes, yes, yes. You have to, you have to. And yes, there are certain things that you have to do to get your business successful. However, what you can do is instead of when people think of getting their priorities straight, they think of, they end up making a to-do list. Mm -hmm. The to-do list may not be something that you need to do. It may not be that you have to do, everything is not a priority today. 
-hmm. Everything is not a priority this week. So when people think about prioritizing, they will automatically just uh, write out this to-do list and they think everything needs to be done today. But no, what you need to do is figure out what the most important things are for this particular week. So weekly and monthly and daily goals are way better than monthly goals. And that's how you set priorities? Yes. Set priorities by figuring out what needs to be done this week. Maybe one Mm -hmm. or two tasks that really need to be done and you need to do those with excellence. Yes. Your daily task is that you're building on social media. You need to write out one post a day. Mm -hmm. You don't need to have those 10, 20 posts. You don't need those uh, four or five posts. One post done with excellence is better than sloppy work, four or five sloppy things. Mm -hmm. So I have a landing page that I need to do. I need to do this landing page this week. Mm -hmm. And um, that's my, my main priority. That's my main priority that I'm doing for this week. And Mm -hmm. yeah, my, um, you know, everyday things, my daily tasks that I need to complete. But my major priority is that landing page that I need to complete. Mm-hmm. So I love that set, it's, just, it's that one thing. It's that one that's, thing. That's for the week. That's for the weeks. Mm-hmm. Do it with excellence. And then, yes, if you get done early, then you can move on to another task. But do that one thing with excellence. Mm-hmm. Well, Rahila, I've had a great time chatting with you. And before we officially end our chat, I want to ask you one last question. Yes. What is the one thing you want everyone to take away from this interview? So clutter comes in different forms. Clutter can be physical clutter, mental clutter, financial clutter, or health clutter. And whatever you are dealing with, whatever you are uh, going through, whether one of those things is, is amplified in your life. Whenever you have clutter, you will be experiencing all four of those things, physical, mental, financial, and health. But one of those things will be amplified. And whatever is amplified in your life, think of something that you can make a small change with. Focus on one thing in, that you can change. For example, if it is physical clutter, focus on one small area that you can change and change that. Mm-hmm. Work on that thing with excellence and complete it from end to end. And when you focus on that, that is how you can start your decluttering journey. That's great advice. Thank you, Rahila. Thank you for joining me today. And uh, let's keep in touch for sure. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And it's been fun. Thank you. Before ending this episode, I want to summarize some takeaways from my chat with Rahila. First, I thought it was adorable that her kids have checklists and participate in huddles. Can you imagine how cute that is? I also think having huddles with your family is such a good idea. Just like in a company, it encourages strong communication and holds everybody accountable. Second, checklists and to-do lists are not the same thing. 
A to-do list is a list of everything you need to do, and that doesn't mean it needs to get done today. A checklist is a list of things that you can remember, but choose to free your mind of remembering. And finally, I want to highlight something Rahila only briefly mentioned. Since our interview, I remind myself of it every few days and it helps me so much. I ask myself, does this really need to be done today? By asking myself this question, my prioritization skills have improved and my stress reduced. I find myself reorganizing my tasks so they're more realistic. It really helps to ask this one question when I get overwhelmed and hopefully it'll help you guys as well. Thank you so much for listening, everyone.